You are listening to the PT and the Gib Dog Podcast, episode 54. Today we are talking about how to get your sports fill during quarantine, especially by taking in a few Celtics classics and Red Sox games that are worth rewatching. Note that this was recorded on May 17th, so feel free to blame our producer, me, for any date references that fell off. Let's do this. All right, time for another quarantine podcast. Uh, I think the the Brady one we did a couple months ago, I think that's the only other one we've done under quarantine. And I think we have a good excuse this time. There haven't really been sports on. I think, uh, you know, now it's a little Rory Putton today, but I'm not sure I, I would fully consider that sports. So a uh, little, little quarantine pod figured we'd check in, get a sense of everything that's been happening Uh had a chance to watch some of these retro classic games. So figure we could get a good conversation going about that and see where the conversation takes us. Uh, how is, uh, how's your quarantine been, Mike? <laughs> well, let's talk about the immediate circumstance right now. I, I, I poured an IPA into a, a Guinness glass oh, you know, okay. before we started. And this tastes the closest thing to a draft beer that I've had, obviously, since we've been stuck in here. And um, <laughs> if there's one thing I certainly miss... I mean, there's a long list of things, and this kind of seems, you know, that's so great that I'm saying I really miss it, but I miss a good draft beer, you know, out of yeah. the place. It's the little know, things. It's the little things. And the little things. This, 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 this beer had a nice head to it at the top, and, uh, you know, it's it was it was the closest tasted thing to a draft beer I've had in, in a while. So it's going pretty good right now. But, uh, What's the, what, what, which IPA is it? What, what IPA are you drinking? Oh, it's one of the Tuckermans from New okay. Hampshire. I forget yeah, the name of it, but, but good. very, very good. Very good. good. I, I have a, uh, actually, actually I, running I, I out. We have one left. Got to go make a run. Oh man, you got to get a run. Uh, I have a Sam Boston logger in front of me, so going old school. There you go. Yeah, go, go with, go with, go with what's, go with what works. Yeah, um, it's a classic. A classic. I like, I like that. I like that Sam. I like that Sam Summer Pack because it's got the Boston logger, the Sam Seventy Six, which reminds me of Fenway. Got to have that. Of course, Sam Summer, and then I think they have the Porch Rocker in there, which probably isn't at the top of my list, but uh, three out of four are yeah. good in, in those packs. You feel pretty good about it. Yesterday, uh, I actually had my first Sam Adams New England IPA. Um, okay, that was also that's the one that's, that's the one that looks like the uh, that looks like the Sam Summer, right? Like the yellow it's, and blue. It yeah, does. I, it looks like I bought that by the accident. Can confuses you, but it's very good. It is good, and I'm surprised it took me that long to have one. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's one thing I've been doing during this quarantine. Different. I probably had <laughs> one of every IPA under the sun. But. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, that's good. Um, beyond that, I mean, how? Uh, I mean, this is pretty crazy. And we've been watching sports pretty much our whole lives and talking about sports pretty much our whole lives. And to not have it now for two plus months, I guess, is this what you were <laughs> expecting? I guess going into it i mean i for me it's i i, I miss it but um and i do find myself watching some of the classic games but um maybe it's just that it's spring summer and the the main i mean the nba playoffs i think i, I that i definitely felt that like not having that come was was pretty sad but it's, i don't really miss the nightly routine of baseball as much as i thought i would which is a little scary a little sad and probably not good for baseball yeah, I, I feel the same way, and it's and at first, like when sports went away and it was gone, I was like, oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be difficult, and it was difficult for a while. And I mean, yes, I'm with you. I miss the NBA playoffs. Um, you know, I must say, I miss the Masters. Um, you know, which yeah. would have come and gone by now. Um, you know, all, all those things and, and the NCAA tournament, of course. Like that, yeah. that was that was a huge blow, and that probably hit yeah. a little bit more. Um, for sure. A little bit more closer to home and more personally, obvi- for obvious reasons, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, when it, when it occurred. But, yeah, I think the nightly in and out of baseball, yeah, it's you're, you're not uh, you're, you're not you're not missing sitting down and watching nothing and turning it on and watching the Red Sox and the Blue Jays in April or May. You know, it's just it's yeah. what I is it going to when it comes back? Will I probably appreciate it more and be more apt to sit and watch a regular season Red Sox Blue Jays game? Yeah, I probably will be. Um, but as far as like in the moment, I don't think I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not drastically missing it. Like, and, and I, and yeah. you feel the same way and yeah, I, I it, it makes me even, you know, even miss it, even miss it even less. And we'll go into this where maybe we talk about the different leagues mm-hmm. and where they are, where they're, where they're coming mm-hmm. back or what yeah. their plans are for coming back. Cause you're starting to hear some, 
plans and some whispers, some NBA facilities opening up next week. Um, baseball seems like the sports that wants to come back the least, um, you know, yeah. with this, you know, the, this fight that they're having over the revenue share and, and Blake Snell, um, you know, his, his video that went viral saying he's not playing for less than what his contract was, you know, and saying how he's threatened by the presence of coronavirus. Yeah, we all, we're all threatened by coronavirus, but you'd be playing in a virtual bubble and in one of the, yeah. in, in, in one of the safer yeah. situations. So when you, when you hear stuff like that too, on top of it, then yeah, you miss baseball even less when you hear morons like that, you know, make, make, yeah. make claims, um, you know, about whether they're going to come back and, and play for what they might have to play for. Yeah. And it's, like like everything, it feels like the NBA has the best relationships between the players and the um, ownership and the commissioner, and they still have the a lot to work The commissioner, out. Being, commissioner being the big, yeah, the, the, the trust level that Adam Silver seems to have with yeah. all the, you know, the top players in the league and all the league for that matter, um, they seem to be following his lead on everything. Um, yeah, no, I think, I, I think, I think that, that, that's encouraging. Yes, it is. So that might be the first one you see back. <laughs> um, that would not be good know, for baseball, but you're right. I mean, no, it wouldn't. It, it wouldn't. And, and, and it's something that just makes baseball. I mean, as you said, you know, how people feel, uh, you know, people in the whole becoming more disconnected from baseball, you know, the last few years. Um, and, you know, to see them haggling over something as, as simple as a 50 50 revenue split in what we hope is going to be just a, a one year isolated situation. Um, you know, it's. That makes you even more frustrated with them, and 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 like you said, it's bad for the sport. So hopefully they smarten up and and figure it out. Yeah, pretty 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 rough last twenty five years for for baseball. I mean, I think at least in our lifetime, I think the peak excitement was probably um, I would probably say like McGuire Sosa. I think that was back in ninety eight. I want to say, um, but that was. Uh, so much fun to watch all that, and then to have the steroids thing. Head but it obviously, and, it was juiced by yeah. steroids. I was just about yeah, to say. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but it, of course. But it was and juiced then, by the steroid yeah. era. The steroid era was the most. You're, you're saying is the most exciting, you know, few yeah. years in baseball we've had in recent memory, and that's not a good look. <laughs> not a good look. Um, of course, our local interest peaked in '04 with the Red Sox winning, but it's been a steady. I said, I mean, we just don't have an attention span to watch three and a half hour baseball games, and um, you know, I'm. Personally, not super pumped anyway, given the Mookie Betts thing. But of course, if there's no season and they still count as a year of service, then the Red Sox, you know, made a great trade. Which uh, I'll, I'll wait to eat my words if that actually happens. Um, but might not even play a game for the Dodgers. Be wild! Oh my god! <laughs> I think they'll still resign him. I think it was a long-term move. But anyways, um, yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes. Um, but uh, we'll see. I mean, baseball. You, you pretty much have to play 80 games. I don't think you can do less than an 80-game season. To me, that would be kind of crazy. And if you start doing the math, you kind of got to come back by July. It'd be pretty tough to, to yeah. try to start this thing in, like, August or something like that. And, of course, the specter across all this is you got to get things in a good spot before uh, the NFL season really starts picking up. I mean, if you don't have your season done by November, you're just going to get overtaken by – the NFL popularity, of course, baseball and outdoor sport has to deal with the weather. So you, another reason you have to kind of get things done by the end of November. Uh, so, I mean, I read, I think Bryce Harper had a proposal yesterday I saw um, that had the season going pretty late into potentially December. And I just don't think that's going to be possible unless you do the whole Arizona thing. And um, home field advantage is such an important part of baseball, especially in the playoffs. So I don't necessarily see that as realistic. So it's sad. I mean, I just don't understand how they can't come to an agreement that they're all losing because of this, the ownership and the players. And why not share in that tough situation together and come out stronger opposed to nickel and diming one another. Um, And it's really hard to ever be on the ownership side, given it's billionaires fighting with millionaires. But when the millionaires are kind of being petty and illogical, it, it kind of makes you not want to support either side. And, that's all baseball needs given, given where it's at these days. And to be fair, like, you know, I mean, there's other reasons why they're not going to, there could be other reasons potentially that keep them from starting in July. Yeah. Of course. course. But, but, but but I, but I think, but I think the NBA certainly has a plan, but they're not going to announce it or move forward with it or, you know, say we're full steam ahead coming back until everything is safe, you know, medically, um, you know, and they feel, 
everything testing related is where it needs to be. Um, same thing with the NHL. I think they also have a plan, but are kind of waiting on a similar thing that that similar situation the NBA is. And, and baseball's in that yeah. situation where if they had everything in place that they needed to make them feel safe out there because of this haggle over who's going to get what, um, you know, that's, that's, what's hold, that's what's holding it back. Um, yeah. You know, from them even having a plan in place to go, it seems. Um, yeah. So, uh, it's just, it's, it, it's frustrating. <laughs> it's frustrating. It, it really, if, if you were the first, if you were the first sport to come back, say you are baseball, say, say for some, and, and, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend to be like, I'm part of the coronavirus task force or I'm an expert or anything, because I'm not. But say they feel baseball is one of the first ones that can come back because you play outdoors, you know, as opposed to yeah. hockey or basketball. Um, say you're the only, the only, the only thing going on. Baseball has like a month head start on the other two leagues. Like the lift that you know, just seeing baseball games on TV. Obviously, no one's going to Fenway Park or Yankee Stadium or you know anywhere to see yeah. a game this summer. You know at all. That's not going to happen. Um, but even just seeing baseball on TV would just give the you know give the morale just a, a, a bit of a lift you know to this country to everything and yeah and and you could be you could be the the league that supplies that for people and they might not be able to because they can't get they can't get over themselves yeah yeah it's it's tough it's tough to see um and i mean i love fenway park and it's sad to sad to not you know of course be there this spring and feel uh, you know, who knows what will happen when, when fans will start going to some of these games. It seems pretty unlikely for, honestly, all of 2020 um, for it to be an experience that anyone would want to go to and experience. So uh, it'll it's interesting times for sure, but uh, it, it will lead to what I hope is leagues getting a little creative and trying new things. And it sounds like the NBA has some of this in mind as, as we think about what the playoffs could be. Um, one thing I did like about what Bryce Harper said, and it was pretty much, if, if you didn't see it, Bryce Harper basically said, play every single day, six man rotations, 30 man rosters. Um, you get a day off every other week or something like that. Sundays you play double headers to seven innings. Um, you know, that, that seven inning thing could be interesting. Like, do we really need nine innings in baseball other than the history of it and, and all that? I mean, our attention you spans have, are no longer three have, hours. You have, You'd have the purists, so the reasons that Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds aren't in the Hall of Fame that would come out against something like that. Um, you know, but seven, yeah. you're more, you're more, I'd be more apt to probably sit down and try to get through a seven inning game as opposed to a yeah. nine. <laughs> those, Fourth those inning of a seventh inning those, game, it's, those, it's, it's high. Those, yeah, exactly. Right. Those, those two innings are huge. <laughs> you yeah. know, the grand yeah. scheme of things. You're talking another hour, potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't need that hour. I'm sorry, guys. I don't need middle relievers. Let's go. No. Um, but uh, what do you think about some of the talk? I, I've heard so many things about the NBA, and who knows what they'll eventually do. But uh, so where we stand right now is the teams have played, call it 65, 66 games. Um, so 15, 16 games left in the season seems unlikely they'll play out the whole season. Of course, I think they're out of time possible that they'll try to squeeze in a few games and get every team to 70, maybe, or at least a, a number where they can compare teams equally. I, I think you have to have warm up games. Yeah. They have to have, they have to have tune up games before a postseason. But will those be, I mean, you can't waste like practice games. You can't like do a preseason. Like, uh, no. so, so like, here's an example. The Pacers and Sixers are tied for the fifth seed. Same record. Um, th they're actually supposed to play. That was both of their teams next game. Like, do, do you start off with their first game back is this quasi preseason game that will determine fifth or sixth seed, which obviously matters a lot for our Celtics. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, they have to figure out a way to, I, I, the pro, that's, that just happens to be like an isolated situation. No, I know, I know, I know. That happens to be a game that. Celtics playing the Bucks. Uh, yeah, keep going. Yeah, no, South, right. They are playing the Bucks. Um, but, uh, but obviously looking at the current standings, like there does, there won't be much shift in the one through, given the amount of games that they think they'll play, you know, call yeah. them regulars. There'll be regular season games that will be in effect preseason tune-up games for the playoffs. Yes. Yeah, um, I agree. You, uh, you know, one through four in the East isn't changing, you know, by, by you know, th th there, there won't be enough games to even make up like a two and a half game 
barring the yeah. Celtics losing all their games and like the Miami Heat winning all their games. You know, there's no, going to yeah, be no, very there's going to be no, there's going to be very unlikely. Um, so I, I think you, I, I think the fairest thing to do is you kind of have to pick up where it left off last. Um, yeah. You know, and I think that, I, I think that's what they will do. And I think that's what you have to do. And yeah, that, that first game out of the break, you know, it, it means something, you know, it means something significantly that who has the leg up, you know, moving forward with how many games they feel they have to play before, you know, the playoffs start. Um, you know, you have that whole question that they're debating right now about how am I going to motivate the Cleveland Cavaliers to come back and, 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 and play, play, you know, 10 games or so when they're ridiculously far out of the playoff, playoff hunts. Um, here's here's, here's you know, the answer. You're not going to. You're not going to. You're really not going to get. You're not really going to motivate anybody in the East because you got the Wizards who sit five and a half games back of the Magic. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. You know, I mean, out out West, what do you got? I mean, it's even debatable out West. You know, you have Memphis yeah. right now sitting in the eighth spot, and Portland and uh, New Orleans um, are three and a half games back. Sacramento also three and a half games back. So, I mean, if you were playing the rest of the season where you had 20 more games to go, yeah, out West, the race for the eighth seed would be. But there's, you're, you're, it almost makes you think, why don't they just go ahead and start the playoffs? Um, yeah. You know, given that effect, effectively yeah. the top eight and both are determined, barring, like I said, a drastic, you know, Grizzlies go 0-10, Portland goes 10-0, and 0, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just, I, yeah. 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 And that's not going to happen. So no. I agree. I mean, the only thing they could do to get those teams motivated is to have some sort of play-in situation where – Maybe the eight seed. There's a couple teams that play. Uh, uh, you bring four teams and you do some single single elimination or something like that to try to uh, at least give folks who are on the outside looking in a fair shot. I, I would argue that you know the, the top eight are probably decided on, on each side. Um, well, Doc, but, Doc Rivers actually, I think, came out with that. I don't know if you heard that. Listen to that podcast. Doc Rivers. Every two days, he was on. He's been on a different podcast during this. During the I thought he'd be quarantine. Well, if he's in California, then I'm not sure what the California rules were for golf. I thought Massachusetts was the last one to yeah, ride back right. to it. So, but he was he, he mentioned the same thing where, you know, the league comes back and he says seven through ten in each league essentially play a play-in round to get in the playoffs, and your top six seeds would just kind of have like a mini training camp and start practicing, um, yeah. and wait wait for those to shake out. I mean, you. I mean, that's a great way to come back where the games yeah. mean something. And you and I would certainly be tuned in watching oh, yeah. the Nets and, Nets and the Hornets, and then the Mavericks and the Pelicans. Like we would be tuned. Anything watch, Pelicans? Tu- I think everyone's watching the Pelicans. Oh, yeah. Zion, okay. We, so of course. Okay, we we tune into Memphis and Portland. Like I mean, we we, we would. Yeah. <laughs> Lower to, of course, yeah. Of course, uh, because those games mean something. And whether you know, would it be fun to like have it be like a one game playing? Like, that'd be pretty. Yeah, you know, but that that yeah, that'd be a little unfair to the seventh seed who's sitting in the playoffs. So you probably couldn't do it that way. And given that they probably yeah. both be playing in a neutral site anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, so so it's not fair. It, it's it's fair it's to the Nets and it's fair to the Nets and Magic. They're under five hundred. Screw them. The Grizzlies are under 500. The Mavericks, that would be bullshit because they're right. they're 40 and 27. Like that'd be pretty <laughs> no, rough right. for the Mavericks. Uh, it but, would be. You know, it is it, what it is. They'll figure it out. It, it, it would be. Um, but then again, you also look at it like we're in a we're in a totally different circumstance here. Nothing nothing the last two months. You no. couldn't use the word fair to describe anything that's happened to anyone in this world, on this planet, in this country in the last two months. So yeah, I, it, you know, sure, play the one. Play, while it does suck for them, and you think it is bullshit, let the Pelicans and Mavericks play one game. Oh, the league would love that. The league would love yeah, that. Yeah, the league would absolutely. And Mark Cuban would be mad about it, but you know, <laughs> hey, yeah, the Mavericks would probably win because Rick Carlisle would call use all his timeouts <laughs> every time. Every time Zion hit back-to-back baskets, Rick Carlisle timeout. You know, just, how does he stretch his? How does he stretch his timeouts well. entire game? I don't know. I don't know. Get it. Get it. Get it. <laughs> oh man. Well, um. Let's stick with the NBA playoffs briefly. Um, if, if they are running out of time, they may have to go from best of seven to best of five, which I think we uh, we saw in the first round about a decade or a little longer, two decades ago, or even crazier, maybe even best of three. Um, 
something I texted you beforehand. Do you think that let's, let's put our Celtics hats back on? Um, not that we ever take them off, but uh, you know, Celtics three seed, likely playing the Pacers or the Sixers in the first round, um, and then probably Toronto in the second round, and if they get that far, Milwaukee in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. Do you think moving from a seven to a five or three? Do you think that helps the Celtics, or do you think that actually uh, does not help them as we think about how do we how do we have a good playoff run? My first thought would be that it would absolutely help them, but it would help them depending on who the matchup would be, more or less. Because mm-hmm. what's the biggest question that people have about the Celtics right now? It's their bench. Um, yeah. And obviously in the playoffs, rotations get shortened. Minutes for your top five, six guys go up. So, mm-hmm. you know, a shortened series, you would think in theory, helps the Celtics out because you're going to rely – heavily on a six-man rotation of Tatum, Hayward, Brown, Kemba Walker, Daniel Tice, Marcus Smart, and, yep. you know, those six are going to play the most minutes of anybody. Yeah, yeah. And if you play, you play a three-game series, then, you know, yeah. I mean, that should play to your advantage. But say they end up playing the 76ers in, you know, a best of three in the first round. Then the same thing happened where you're worried about a, a – like, who knows the shape that Joel Embiid will be coming back from this quarantine um, or anything for that matter. But the same thing would be said. And someone who has a history of, you know, injury problems in Joel Embiid, some, uh, you know, I, I know his role was diminishing drastically before all this happened, but someone who's aged incredibly, um, you know, from one year, to, from one year to the next at Al Horford, at, we'll, we'll talk a quick sidebar. I was watching a game with Horford in his first year in Boston and yep. just physically and how he was moving, it was night and day to like the Al Horford mm-hmm. we saw, you know, this year. And even to an extent, you know, the end of last year with the Celtics. So a shortened series helps a team like Philadelphia, too, you know, where you have, yeah. you know, you know, older, you know, older in Horford's case, you know, uh, you know, a, a guy who plays old and indeed, you know, just mm-hmm. because of, you know, the, the, the pounding that his body takes, you know, in and, and the level that he takes care of himself. Um, you know, a shortened series helps a shortened, a shortened series helps someone like a, like a Celtics or a Sixers where, you know, it might not, you know, maybe for someone like the Miami heat, it, it doesn't because of, you know, you, you know, you, you know, you know, the depth they might have, you know, across the board, you know, on their bench and how, I mean, you know, it, it hurts the heat, but helps the self teams that have, that can go, you know, comfortably even eight, nine deep, you know, yeah. safe to, you know, safe to say it it, 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 it hurts those teams, but it helps teams with bench issues like the Celtics. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And the, the other factor is, is just youth, I would say, especially if they have to maybe compress. I mean, the first round is so long in the NBA. It just takes forever. So um, if, if you're maybe only getting one, one night between games or, or potentially even zero, depending on how much time they have to get this playoff thing in, then I think the, the young legs of uh, Tatum and Brown and, and Smart, I think, uh, would, would, would benefit the Celtics compared to, um, you know, I, I know the Sixers, Sixers have a young core, but as you say, they, they play old. Um, so that, that could be a factor there, uh, as well as some of these other teams, too. So, yeah, it, it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting. And I think I, I just want to come back, like, figure out the details. Obviously, we need to be have safety in mind and that's the most important thing seeing how things trend for the next month or so on that front but i just want to see basketball again um it's been it's it's kind of been crazy that uh i think we were we were as locked into this Celtic season as we've ever been um and it, it kind of just feels like that that was so long ago where we were seeing jason tatum's emergence and i think we both listened to the the podcast he did with um matt barnes and stephen jackson and it was, I found myself nodding and saying, oh yeah, I remember, I remember, I remember this guy like being the breakout star, like literally two months ago. And now it feels like forever ago. And uh, before I, before I go into the, all the smoke podcasts and, <laughs> uh, and proclaim that I'll never listen to another one again, unless it's someone that I have <laughs> sincere interest in listening uh, to. Matt Barnes is a trip, but keep going. You mentioned like how, that, that, is that a concern for you if things start up with, the role that you know Tatum kind of was on when this all when this all ended, you know where the you know the, the debate throughout the season was yeah Kemba Walker is going to be an All Star but who's the second All Star from the Celtics is it Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum? 
And there were still even people that after Tatum got named that felt that it should have been Jalen Brown. Even me, even me briefly. Even, I, even, I definitely right. mentioned even, it. even you, because of the body of the work of the whole season, because Tatum was coming on more towards the second yeah. half of the season and was really peaking around the time of the All-Star game. So it all worked out. But are you worried? Is you know, does Tatum can is, is Tatum kind of start again? I mean, I mean, obviously it's not going to be a significant drop off, but is he going to be at the level that he was playing at when 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 things ended? And I, I mean, you would you would yeah. hope to be close to it, but what do you, but who knows? Um, yeah, so and I think is, this is that yeah, yeah, and it's something you're in a fortunate position where were they all in this year? No, it's not the same as last year. Where last year there was a little bit of this urgency. Um, with, with Tyree being his last year. Yeah, if they don't win this year, that's that's obviously not a huge deal. Um, I think pretty much everything's coming back, depending on what Gordon Hayward does with his player option. Um, so you, you get another shot at it next year and the following year, which I think is great. Um, the way the Bucks were playing this year would have been a tall task to get through them. Um, if we did, if we were fortunate to meet them for the third time, third year in a row in the playoffs. But, uh, you know... I don't, I don't obsess too much over would Tatum come back and, and start dropping 30 again, like he was doing in, in February. Um, because I think just to see a basketball to me would, would, would make me happy. And it would, it would, I would not enjoy it if they played the Sixers in the first round and lost, that would be disappointing. But you know, if they made it to the second round and lost to the Raptors defending champs, uh, it'd be disappointing, but it wouldn't be the end of the world um, in, in my mind. So I'm, I'm probably more focused on Ken, he sustain this next year and can he use the off season to, to pick up some additional moves and, and do what LeBron has done where every season he comes back with something new uh, and just keeps people on their toes and keeps finding ways to get to the free throw line in Tatum's case uh, and, and, and being aggressive and driving to the basket. So um, that's, I guess my thoughts on, on, on that. So we'll see it, it. It'll be interesting. And I think I'll be probably rooting for basketball first and foremost in the Celtics second, if, if we do, uh, have the good fortune of getting to the playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the other thing that I think will, it, you know, be something that, you know, to think about how, how this, this all plays out for them. You know, you mentioned, you mentioned would they get by the Bucks? Yeah. In a, if everything was as it was and they're going on the road and playing in a, you know, a sold out Fisher forum, four out of three games and, you know, and saying the Eastern Conference finals with the Bucks. But the thing will be is one when they come back, are they playing these playoff games in in the empty Fisser Forum and TD Garden? What kind of dynamic does that create? Um, or are they playing in one centralized location? And let's just use the the Walt Disney World argument, you know, the you know the, the Disney Sports Complex as the neutral site for all these, where you basically have a glorified summer league. It'll be like watching the old summer league back in Orlando when they played the games in the Orlando Magic Summer League gym. I mean, the summer league in Vegas the last couple of years has just taken off where it's basically the games are played in front of, you know, yeah. college college basketball sides crowds. You know, it'd be, yeah. it'd, be, it'd be like playing the game, playing games in, in a full county forum, you know, more or less with the capacity of the people in there. But, but I think yeah. that's an interesting dynamic into how these playoffs yeah. go. Are you playing in a neutral site where you're just playing a three-game series on the same court? Or yeah. are, are the Celtics and the Sixers playing a three-game series where, because the Celtics are the three-seed, the first two games are here in Boston where the Celtics get to live at home, but the Sixers yeah. still have to go to live in a hotel. Still have to be on a road. Yeah. Yes, it'll be a – you could hear a pin drop in TD Garden. It's not the yeah. same atmosphere, but you still have to go on the road and be – it's, yeah. it's, it will be very interesting, and, and I think it's kind of – it's tough to even really name a favorite, I think, just because of of, yeah. the, of the dynamic of where these games will be played, what are the circumstances they'll be played in. And, like, it, it's, it's, it's not like, you know, you can't say, oh, well, they're – you know, the Celtics aren't going to win a game seven on the road in Milwaukee against the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. this might be the year that, that <laughs> you, you really can't make a call one way or the other. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I, I actually don't think they'll they'll drop the best of three. I think the lowest they would do is best of five. I think the logistics even gets challenging. Okay, uh, uh, deciding game five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even with best of three, you, you play game one here and then game two away and game three back here. Like that's that's still a lot of travel for three games. So I think the two two one I think would be 
what they would would end up doing, um, which would you know create a lot of lot of urgency in those first two games for the home team. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I hope I hope it comes back, and um, we will we will see how that trends. Um, unless you had anything else about the the season, um, maybe we could talk about one of the uh, the classic retro games that we both uh, had the opportunity to enjoy and watch over the past couple of weeks. Let's do that. So the one that you uh, picked up on and mentioned to me, and I think you you probably watched it on uh, uh, whatever the Comcast Sportsnet or Fox Sportsnet or New England, whatever the hell it's called these days. It was actually, uh, it was actually the TNT broadcast. So it was Dick Stockton and Hugh Brown calling the game. It was, yeah. it was, which is great. Um, I watched it on YouTube, which was, which was also fun. But we're talking about, let's go back to Halloween 1997, which is the better part of 22, 22 and a half years ago. Um, mm-hmm. So we're in, I want to say sixth grade. Yeah, we're in sixth grade, so, I think. So I definitely did not watch the whole game. So. No, and I was in South Carolina, so I didn't watch any of the game, I'm pretty sure. I don't. <laughs> well, I guess we had TNT. But uh, yeah, so I don't, I, I mean, neither did I watch, who the hell knows. Um, and it's the Celtics home against the Bulls before we before you get into more of the details do they really have the defending champs open on the road like this that's pretty brutal it, it was and actually when I was watching it it was the TNT broadcast which was weird because sports channel Fox Sports whatever the hell it was back yeah. then Mike Gorman and Tommy Heisen called the game so I don't know yeah. why they didn't have they didn't have that broadcast because they were doing the throwback with um, Antoine yeah. Walker and Brian Scalabrini providing commentary. And you say yeah. the champs opening on the road in Boston that year. Antoine said the year before, and he's right. I, I actually sort of do remember this because I did watch a lot of Celtics games. The Bulls opened at the Celtics the year before, too. Really? So it, was, it was weird. It was the second year in a row where that happened. So it was very, very strange uh, that, you know, it's. It's not like now where the first team, you know, they, they, yeah. they were talking about how it's not like now where the NBA champion gets the home game and the banner raising and the rings. Obviously, they didn't care about that stuff back then. Yeah, it was, um, pro- it was probably the Blackhawks had a game at the United Center. So like, oh, sorry, right. you got to go to the Fleet Center. Sorry, Michael. Right. Exactly. The Fleet Center. That's yeah. what it was called back then. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and what the game we are talking about is Rick Pitino's first game as a Celtics president slash head coach slash general manager slash everything i'm pretty sure is what what his title was um and it it fits nicely with this whole last dance narrative um i know in i think it was episode three or four they talked about the slow start that the bulls got in that 97 98 season and the celtics were part of that the celtics were part of uh pushing toward that slow start but uh it was it was a fascinating two hours and i admit i watched it on 1.75 x speed on YouTube. So for me, it was just over an hour. Um, but, uh, um, I guess what, uh, what were some of your reactions as you started watching this game? Cause I have, I have a lot of things written down in terms of, uh, in, in, in terms of my reactions as I was watching it. Things that young and naive Mike. So given sixth grade year old Mike, who was, uh, you know, very excited about Rick Pitino becoming the coach of the Celtics because he was the name. It was the thing. Um, Watching his demeanor and how he yelled at guys and how he coached on the sideline of the NBA, like it's nothing you, you you could never you could never get away with that in today's NBA. Um, yeah. And so that was just an interesting dynamic to watch him on the bench. Um, how they got down in that game? They were down like twenty-eight to twelve or thirty to twelve or something earlier in that it's game. It's a pretty it's a pretty tough first quarter it's, to watch. It's a very game. tough first quarter to watch. Um, but but at the time you're probably like, okay, this is predictable. Like, you know, look at the roster of something sad. I mean, this is this is defending champion Chicago Bulls. Yes, yes, no, Scotty Pippen. Um, but but still, you know, and and just 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 so one Patino and his style of coaching. Uh, how off every made basket, you have some guy up on the full court press, up on the basketball. You don't see that in the NBA anymore. Just consistently with every every made basket, you know, the Celtics were full court pressing. Um, and yeah. the other things that stood out, um, you know, Antoine Walker had a crazy game in this game. Like, that's that's like the Antoine Walker that if he had stuck to that and played that he way. He was great. And, and was in the shape that he was in, you know, in, in this game, which he kind of battled with some 
you know, weight issues there in the late, you know, you know, 2000, late 99s. And so when Patino ultimately designed and it's, I think where Patino kind of was fed up with Antoine and Antoine became fed up with Patino. Um, but Walker's in great shape and looks great. Um, you have the one thing I did, the one thing that was funny, and I think I texted this to you when I was watching mm-hmm. it, that they were at the five minute mark of the first quarter. And I had already seen 10 or 11 different Celtics um, <laughs> had already played in the game. So yeah. the starting, starting lineup for that team was Dana Barros and Ron Mercer were your backcourt. Um, Travis Knight was your center who had just signed the, like a three, a seven year, $21 million deal or something. Like yeah. a seven year, $21 million deal. Like the idea of that is just laughable given yep. what today's NBA's contracts are. And then you had Antoine Walker, and uh, I'm blanking on who was the other starter. And then, oh, it's, a third, uh, Walter, it's a third Kentucky guy. Walter McCarty. I was just about to yeah. say it. I knew it. It was Walter McCarty, who, believe it or not, had just been acquired. They signed Chris Mills, who was a longtime Cleveland Cavalier, to, like, the biggest free agent deal in the history of the Celtics. They signed, like, a seven-year, $33 million contract in the offseason, one of Patino's first things when he took control. He trades him before training camp was over. Like you, you just amazing. like I don't. You can't even do that anymore, right? You're not even allowed to no. do that. If you yeah, you can't. Tra- you can't trade him until December fifteenth. Can't trade him until December. So he's got all these. He's got Walter McCarty on his team because he traded Chris Mills before training camp was over because he realized the fit wasn't there. And you know, no one. Patino had no system. He had no idea what he was doing. You know, for three, three and a half years. But those are the five guys who came off the bench: D. Brown, Chauncey yeah. Phillips. Who had yeah. flashes of um, he like great. He looked great in the limited minutes he played, and then you're just kicking yeah. yourself. Why did we? Not? Yeah, you got angry. You got angry about that. The Definitely. other, the other, back to Walter McCarty. He's like flying through the lane and laying balls up. Yeah. Not like six years later, six seven years later, Walter McCarty's become a totally different player, where he's basically a spot up three point shooter in the corner. Like, yeah. where did his his athleticism? And ability just disappeared. And I know everybody loved Walter McCarty and I love Walter bullshit and all that. But like <laughs> someone who someone who aged like quicker than most NBA players, at least based on that first game for me. Um, so that was one thing that stood out. Um, and then Ron Mercer, you know, kind of seeing him like the the, mm-hmm. the art of the. I mean, I mean, obviously Phillips and Mercer were the consolation prize to Duncan that year, but. You know, Mercer looked pretty good. Like, I mean, he probably had one of the smoother-looking mid-range jump shots, I think, of, uh, outside of Michael Jordan. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because the well, mid-range shot is lost in today's game. But Ron Mercer had a pretty good one. Um, so, yeah. I, I, you know, all, all these things are just how different the game was played back then than, than it is now. Yeah, it's just fun to reminisce and see, oh, Purvis Ellison, the other guy from... <laughs> So that, that, was the only, that was the only four minutes I've ever seen Purvis Ellison play, by the way. He was, he was Travis, a fixture at the end of the bench. Travis Knight started, but then you had three other guys, so I guess you would call them five players, that played in that first quarter. Travis Knight, Purvis Ellison, um, Andrew DeClerc, who um, infamously got traded with a first-round draft pick for Vitaly Potapico two years later. Um, and then John Thomas, who was a rookie, who came with McCarty in the deal for Chris Mills. So that's like, he had no, Patino had no grasp on a rotation. He didn't know what he was doing. It was almost like he was like, oh, they're all pros. I'll just throw them out there and just kind of throw something at the wall and see what happens here. I mean, other than other than Walker, who seemed to be on the floor the entirety of the game, most mostly, yeah. the rest of the guys were just a continuous rotation of sub in and out. Um it was just kind of a wild watch. I enjoyed it, nonetheless. It was a lot of fun to watch because I was obviously trick-or-treating for the at least the first <laughs> half of that game, and I was doing something else. I do remember watching them win the game and being excited about it, so I probably watched the fourth quarter or the second part of the yeah. fourth quarter. Um, but just uh, interesting in your thoughts. It was just it was just yeah. it, was, it was it was almost like overwhelming with everything that was going on while I was watching it. <laughs> there was a lot going on, um, and that was a nice little. Uh, and a nice little rant there by you in terms of capturing all the things. But, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was really interesting to watch. I mean, you mentioned the slow start. I mean, how many Celtics air balls in that first quarter? They looked so overmatched. They had 10 turnovers. Um, Jordan was a little quiet at first, and then 
within two minutes, he scored about nine points. Uh, and as you said, they got up 20. Um, and I think what was, what was interesting, and I, I mean, a- anytime you watch a game in the nineties, it's a little bizarre to see how much they focus on the center, the mid range game, how few threes are, are attempted. I mean, the fact that Luke Longley's foul trouble was a big deal. Like clearly that wouldn't be an issue in today's game. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of the things that jumped out to me, I had never seen McCarty play like that. He, he no. was, he was a guy who stood in the corner, shot threes. Tommy would yell. I love Walter. Um, one out of every four threes that he took when he made one. Um, and that's who he was. And I, I missed this athletic side of him that Patino clearly saw at Kentucky and was trying to tap into that. Um, I loved when, I forget if it was Stockton or Hubie Brown who mentioned, I think it was in the third quarter or fourth quarter, they said, win or lose, it's a new era for Celtics basketball, um, <laughs> which, which is great. Um, but the it crowd was. was it, cer- it certainly the crowd was, was a new era. But this was in the Bob, Oh, they were. Yeah, yeah, Bob, Cousy, Bob Cousy was, in, was into it. He was excited, um, which, is, which is interesting to see. Uh, Antoine Walker, the athleticism. The, the the Walker shimmy after that and one over Dennis Rodman. Love that one. Of course, he bricked the three throw. Got to stay on brand if you're Antoine. But uh, yeah, I mean, so they go down 20 in the first quarter. All of a sudden, with, um, you know, with two minutes left in the second, they're still down 15. They go on a mini run at the end of the half and they just turn it on in the third quarter. I think the third quarter was um, like 34 to 15 Celtics or something like that. And all of a sudden they have a 10 point lead. And it, uh, it happened without three-pointers, which was even crazier, that it was just nonstop baskets, pressure, good defense. Um, and I found myself thinking, I'm going to be honest, I found myself thinking, wait a minute, was, was Patino a little ahead of his time with, with his system? I mean, he got all these athletic guys. They're switching yeah. on every screen. They're shooting threes. And, and again, maybe not that many threes this game. And I guess they hit quite a few. Yeah, I think they hit five as they look at the box. The, the reason but, they, the reason they got back in the game was they couldn't miss. They they wanted yeah. they, they couldn't they, they started hitting every shot they took. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which exactly. This one particular game, but yeah, go on. Sorry. I, I think um I think it was under Jim O'Brien, his assistant, where they really started shooting threes, and that's when you had Pearson Walker like one and two in the league on three point attempts. But I mean, I, I could this have could this have worked? I guess is how I wanted to actually talk about this because um. What, what 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 killed Patino was his impatience. I mean, yes. the trade that you just You're, described yeah. of Mills for McCarty is insane that you would sign a guy and trade him before you played him. Half the broadcast was talking about how Billups was in the trading block. This is a rookie, the number three pick in the draft, who hadn't played a game for you, and you're already trying to trade him. And he scores and they 15 were judging points, him. and he looked great. They were, judging him. they were judging him based on the shitty preseason that he had, but you, you, you can never judge anything from NBA preseason. You can judge even less in today's preseason than I think you could back then. The kid's and 20 years old. Yeah, Give me a yeah, break. Was, and I think if you talk to – and I, I did watch a, a, a piece of a, of a, a podcast or a, a Zoom cast or whatever that they had with Patino recently in light of him getting back into the college game. And he says that, that his impatience was his downfall. Antoine Walker called talked about that on the, um, yeah. the replay with Scalabrini that – you know, if, if he said if coach had just remained a little bit more patient, and and Patino's even gone so far to say if I had just focused on the coaching on the basketball, you know, it would have been a different situation possibly because if you had someone else running the front office and wasn't so trigger happy, you know, to, to you know to to trade Chauncey Billups for yeah. Kenny Anderson, who was you know a borderline or NBA All Star at the time, but you know just you know an, an, an aging star for sure. Yeah. Um, and obviously Kenny Anderson played a, played a run in that 2002 team that went to these conference finals, but needless to say, you, if you could do it again, you wouldn't have traded Chauncey Billups for him. But if, if you don't trade a first round draft pick for Vitaly Potapico, um, yeah. you, you know, these, I mean, a year later to so this team that we saw beat, you know, granted it was opening night, granted, yes, we talked how they shot the lights out, you know, that we got them back in that game. There was no Pippen, Dennis Rodney, yeah. I guess didn't miss the entirety of training camp because of his contract dispute. So yes, the bulls weren't what the bulls were that won that title later that year. Yeah. Other than Jordan, it was just Kukoc and then it was a bunch of nobodies, but yeah, keep going. Exactly. <laughs> but if Patino just focuses on the basketball a year later, you have that roster that had so much promise, which it did. I mean, you don't know that. Number 34. 
you, you oh, right. You don't know, you, you don't know Mercer's knees are going to go two years later. Um, you know, you, you, if you hung on to Bill Ibsen, you had a core of Antoine Walker, and yes, you just said it. Uh, the, the following draft, they added Paul Pierce to that team, um, <laughs> which would have been you know, would have been great for this team. Right, and and a year later, they're trading Mercer because they don't feel the fits there with Pierce because Pierce was obviously everyone knew Pierce was going to be the guy. But it would have been nice to at least try to see if like. Even even if Mercer goes, you know, still kind of seeing what you know Patino could have done with Walker, Pierce, and Billups. Yeah. You know, you you add Chauncey Billups to that team in two thousand two, they probably get by the pay. They get they they certainly yeah. I think get by the Nets. Do they beat yeah. Shaq and Kobe? Probably not. But they at least you know yeah. they're the, the bona fide contender in the Eastern Conference. Um, and, and maybe Patino thinks about it and like, oh, yeah, I've he probably still would have been the coach in 2002 if they don't trade Chauncey Billups and they have someone else running the front office. He's probably he's probably not still there now. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he probably would have lasted, you know, the better part of, yeah. you know, seven, eight years, you would think. But you won't know yeah. because he was so quick to pull the trigger on these guys and, and get frustrated and impatient. Yeah, and it's too bad because – and my guess is he was thinking about it the way that he had thought about college, where you only have these guys for four years. And even back then, it was increasingly three years or even two years. So you got to move quickly. And if someone's not a fit, let's get him out of there. Let's pull the scholarship. Let's let's figure out who we want. And he was trying to do the same thing with NBA players. And the bad part is, if you have someone no one wants, no one's going to want them. And you have to give up assets like that first round pick you mentioned to to get rid of someone like an Andrew DeClerc. Uh, and I think. It's 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 too bad because um, I I think he he had a system that was a little ahead of its time and I think Walker and Pierce and and again they did they did play for Patino for a few years and the team wasn't really winning but uh, they they could have had a more experienced front office person as you mentioned like Bruce Bowen could have certainly been a strong contributor on a, a team oh, that goes pretty far. Add Bruce Bowen to that 0-2 team. That's a whole different setup. It's, it's that guy's coming off the bench, locking folks down. Um, so it was, uh, you know, I, I feel like I was maybe a little young to appreciate the, or I guess not appreciate, whatever the opposite of appreciate is, the Patino era. But um, this kind of, and, and of course they won. They won 92-85. to You beat the defending champs in your first game. Probably that peak of Patino's entire three-and-a-half-year journey. Um, so of course you're going to be feeling pretty good about it, but you know, he, he could have done something and, um, it wasn't the fact that he got Phillips and Mercer instead of Duncan. That's not what, that's not what led to this going sideways. It was because he just couldn't get a core of players who knew, who played together long enough, uh, to, to trust one another and, um, really make, make a run the way that they could have. So it was, uh, fa- fascinating to watch. And, um, I think Jordan scored 30, but he didn't have a great game. Always fun seeing like Steve Kerr and uh, Judd Buchler and all these guys who had uh, a front office. Yeah, Weddington, a few of these guys with front office careers uh, come onto the floor uh, toward the end. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that Bulls team was, was not that good at the beginning of the season. They really missed Pippen. And it will make me even more interested to see the, uh, the, how they play the Pacers and the Jazz in the, um, in the episodes 9 and 10 of The Last Dance that they'll show tonight. Yeah, no, it was uh, like like we've we've talked about. That wasn't that that wasn't the Bulls at full strength. But going back to the Celtic point of view, like at the time, yeah, there was there was reason to get excited about it. And yeah. It just and 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 to kind of continue on what you were saying there about you know the style of play. Yeah, it worked. But you know, and sure, he had a bunch. He had a lot of young legs and a lot of young guys. And that's the only way that you could you know play that way. And that's probably you know why I, I know I, I made fun of. Uh, there were 11 guys that had played by the five-minute mark. But with the way he played, he kind of had to play, a, you know, a, a, a deep bench. Yeah. Would that have sustained for, like, that style of play can sustain for a 30-game college season or a 40-game yeah. college season if you factor in the NCAA tournament. But can you sustain that in an 82 NBA game season plus the playoffs? Who knows? Unclear. Uh, unclear. 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 You, you would guess probably not. Um, but, again, just – they, 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 you, you weren't able to see if it worked just because you didn't keep the personnel around long enough to give it a shot to see if it did work. Yeah. So, anyways, a fascinating rewatch and a nice win for the Celts over the Bulls. So we'll take that. Um, I guess 
I guess last couple things, I guess um, any other Celtic or NBA or other sport classics that you've really enjoyed over the last couple weeks that you've, you've, you've seen? Well, you could watch the 04 ALCS games until mm-hmm. you're blue in the face. You know, you could watch, you, you could watch those and repeat and, and love mm-hmm. you know, them. But there is one particular Red Sox game that is that stuck out um, to me that I was watching the other day. So it was uh, so uh, it was the beginning of Nesson was I don't know if you saw this Nesson did brawl week, mm-hmm. so it was the best game, okay. like, the best brawls yeah, yeah, from the yeah, games, yeah. which eighty percent. 80% of them were brawls between the Rays and the Red Sox because <laughs> Ger- Gerald Williams and Pedro hated each other. <laughs> so, so that's the one I'm about to talk about. So, I remember watching that game. So Pedro hits Gerald Williams. They, the benches, you know, clear. They charge them out and everything. So, um, it's, you know, they, they toss Gerald Williams. Larry Rothschild, who's, he's now the pitching coach. Is he still the pitching coach of the Yankees? He's the manager of the Rays at the so. time. I think He's so, yelling yeah. and screaming that Pedro should be thrown out too, but they don't throw him out. So I'm just going to give you the timeline. I started, I started writing down notes while I was watching this, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to forget one detail of this. What I was about to tell you. So yeah. So obviously, big picture, this is the game where Pedro hits Gerald Williams, the first batter of the game, but yeah. takes a no hitter in the ninth inning that he ultimately yeah. gives up in the ninth. I remember watching this game. I remember watching it. I I remember watching it too. I remember watching it too. Pedro was awesome in this game. Um, So the Red Sox lineup that night was Trot Nixon, Brian Dawback, Carl Everett, Carl Everett, who almost hit for the cycle. He missed it by he missed it by a single. He had two home runs. Uh, Quick sidebar on Carl Everett: How freaking talented he was, despite how freaking crazy he also was. He had a wacky stance. And he, was, and he was whacked in the head, but he could hit the baseball. Like he, it was his 31st home run that he hit that night. I think this was like late August. So yeah. he just didn't believe in dinosaurs. But yeah, keep going. He just didn't believe in dinosaurs. So Trot Nixon, Brian Dawbach, Carl Everett, um, Nomar Garcia Para, of course, you and my favorite Irishman Troy O'Leary, um, bouncing around so he's pumped. Scott Hatterberg was your DH. Um, Lou Merloni was playing third base. Oh, God. Um, Jason Veritek was catching. And um, your favorite roided out 200 hitting second baseman, Mike Lansing, rounded, oh. out, the, rounded out the nine. So, um, <laughs> so obviously, a lot, of, a lot of camera shots on the dugout in this game, too, because of all the brawls yeah. and everything. Yeah. Um, here are the pitchers that I saw in the Red Sox dugout that night. I mean, retread. Old guy central here, Pat. Ramon, Mar- Ramon Martinez. Oh, God. Hey, he may have Rol- keep Pedro, so I'm fine with that. <laughs> Rolando Orojo. He was terrible. Brett Saberhagen. Washed up. Jeff Cicero. Never good. Pete Shurik. So I'm already at oh. six starting pitchers. I'm already at six starting pitchers, including Pedro <laughs> Martinez. So half of these guys had to have been hurt. Because they weren't. Most of their Red they Sox were Saber, Higgins, yeah. Shurik, all these guys were all they were terrible. Um, so, what's some other some other great names to drop in this? So basically, Williams gets hit. For some reason, they the rest of this game, the guy that the Rays keep going after is Brian Dobak. So, uh, Dave Island is the pitcher that comes in, and he. I think he has been the pitching coach for the Yankees and the Mets. He's a retread coach now. You know, another yep. one of my favorite yep. words. Um, yep. <laughs> so he he hits Dabak like with a soft like 84 mile an hour breaking ball. Dabak yep. goes to first. Then he throws another like fastball that was probably 85 mile an hour. Hits Nomar. So he gets. I don't like that. I don't like that. No, no. So Stay he gets thrown me. out of the. He gets he gets thrown out of the game. So Island is replaced by, um, may he rest in peace, Corey Lytle. Oh, yeah. So, so Corey Lytle is the, play, the pitcher that replaces Dave Island. He gets thrown out for throwing at Dabak. <laughs> this goes around and around. Um, but he gets thrown out. It's funny. It's just the reason I'm telling you this story is in today's Major League Baseball, we would not get to this point where, you know, this many – this would happen like it, it just you wouldn't have a situation where four different pitchers would get away with hitting the same guy 
in a game because of the warnings that are thrown out, the five, six, seven game suspensions that are thrown around here. Um, like Corey Lytle didn't get thrown out of the game. I mean, they threw a dog mm-hmm. Jimmy Williams, who was the manager at the time, Jimmy Williams, this is a Jimmy Williams game, comes yeah. out to argue it. It's not the home plate umpire that throws Corey Lytle out. The second base umpire comes in as the one that throws the pitcher out of the game. It was just, it was really just one of the most like surreal things because you would never see a situation like this unfold in today's major league baseball. It just wouldn't get to that. It wouldn't get to this point. It wouldn't be handled this way. Like it was almost like the umpires were afraid they had, they had to be talked into throwing people out by managers, of the other teams. They eventually pulled Dahlbach out of the game because they were afraid he was going to get like seriously injured. Yeah. Guess who, guess who went in to run for Dahlbach after he got hit the last time. Oh man. I'm trying to remember. Uh, Rico Bronia. Oh God. You remember Rico Bronia being a racist? Yeah, he was. He, I know he was a Philly for a while. He was pretty washed up when he came here. He was. He was. So, um, just kind of wanted to name drop all the random Red Sox. I mean, that was a lot of a lot of random names there. And just just how just how that game unfolded was 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 was, was wild. And it's just something you would never yeah. ever see today in today's Major League no. Baseball. No, as you said, everyone would just get tossed pretty quickly and. No way Pedro would have lasted the ninth inning either. Like he, or, or each team would get a something. shot. Like, like yeah. Short, short Pedro hit Williams. The Rays would get one shot at one of the Red Sox, and then that'd be it. Warnings yeah. would be issued to both sides, and then just because of the suspensions and everything, it just it wouldn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's a good one. I'm, I'm jealous that you got to re- rewatch that one. That's a fun <laughs> one. Um, uh, I'll have to. Well, I'll have to get that one on my list or find another good one to watch to remember some of those old teams because. I, I was watching the Red Sox pretty much every night back then. So those, uh, I'm sure I have some good memories from, from some of those years, the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. And the, and the rest of the ones that week, the brawls you had, was, I think, was when Coco Crisp charged the mound against the Rays. Um, God. And then there was brawl, another one. Brawl week. I didn't watch them, but I was flipping through. This is the only one I actually yeah. stopped and watched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, not the entirety, but almost a, a really good amount of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they had they had them on all week. Uh, it was kind of funny just how many of them were Red Sox raised raised bras. <laughs> That's so good. Um, love it. Uh, to close, I need to get your thoughts on the uh, golf match that's taking place next week. I know Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson are two of your your favorites over the years to root for. We're, we're all you know we're, we're all fans of rooting for Tiger when he's in contention. Uh, and we've, we've actively hated on Peyton Manning for most of his career slash all of his career as well. So who are you rooting for? Uh, Manning and I think Manning's a tiger, right? And Phil's with uh, Brady. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll probably skew more to the Phil Brady side of things, but that's not even what I'm looking forward to the most. Like I'm assuming these guys are going to be mic'd up. I'm assuming we yeah. hear everything that everything they're going to say. I'm looking more forward to the, the back and forth you know, banter between the two of them, the four of them, and what they could possibly yeah. talk about. And, you know, to kind of, and not to change the subject from the golf match, but yeah, that's what I'm kind of looking forward to and when sports ultimately does come back. It is um, interesting. You know, you know what's it going to, you know, I, I joked about how the NBA playoffs are going to look like the old summer league and the old Orlando Magic practice gym when you can hear everything that's going on. Um, yeah. I mean, you're going to be able to mic players up and hear, hear things that are, you know, you're going to have more of an access to stuff that's going on yeah. through microphones than you ever would have if, you know, you had, you know, full stadiums. Um, same thing yeah. for baseball. You'll probably get a, you'll probably get more of it in baseball just because of the pace of the game. But, 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 but I, but that's back to the golf match. That's what I'm more looking forward to. The, the, yeah. The, no, the, the talk back and forth between the, and yes, to watch live sports again. Yes. It'll be fun. But uh, I'm, yeah. I'm looking more forward to the banter. Yeah, and it, and it goes back to um, the NBA, I think, is a bigger risk taker in the, than the MLB. So I think the NBA would experiment with something like that. And I think Steph Curry said something like that yesterday around, like, if you start micing some of these guys up, it's going to be crazy. Um, I'd love to hear Draymond Green for an entire game. That would be fun. Um, oh, but, yeah, we'll see. Um, I don't know. I don't even know who I'm rooting for. I'm just, as you said, I actually think Manning will probably be the funniest of the four. Um, and of course he's the one I probably like the least out of the four, but I think he'll probably be the funniest of the four, but, uh, yeah, him and, him, him, and, him, and, him and Nicholson and, and Tiger and Brady will probably be pretty boring, you know? Yeah, they will be. <laughs> they will be. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for, um, 
like Manning and Brady staring down like four footers that aren't given to them. Cause uh, I would be terrified to putt those. And those two are competitive and they're, they're solid golfers, but uh, might, might see a few four footers lip out for the, uh, the, the Brady and, and, and Manning uh, uh, side of things. So we'll see. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll probably, four, you, yeah. Are these four going to carry their own golf bags? Like I'm, I'm watching, I have on mute here. I think the, they have to. Matt, this, I have the skins game on right now that's going yeah. on and, they're interviewing Rory McIlroy, and he's got his backpack strap, you know, carrying his bag here. Like, is, is Tom Brady going to be carrying his bag? When's the last time Tom Brady carried his fucking golf bag, you think? Um, long time ago. <laughs> or even Tiger Woods. Yeah, <laughs> um, Yeah, I think I think so, probably. Um, so, we'll see. I don't know. It'll be, it'll be fun to watch, and it'll be a good distraction during Memorial Day weekend. And we'll see if uh, I'm home or at the hospital uh, with, with kid number one on the way. We'll see. We'll see how things net out there, but it will be a good a good thing to do as we're all quarantined this Memorial Day weekend. So, you forgot to say that's the real reason we're doing this podcast. It's because <laughs> we don't know what your availability will be. Your, well, what your availability will be in the immediate future. So, <laughs> my availability will be probably not good in the immediate future. After that, I'll be available. We'll see how lucid I am uh, and how good my comments are. You, you, you got to uh, do something during nap times unless you're sleeping. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Good stuff. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's been a fun hour. Good to catch up. Um, we'll look forward to sports slowly coming back, and I'll have to catch a few of those uh, more old school classic games because that was fun hearing about that. Uh, is it 01 Red Sox? 02, 2000. 2000. Don Marcillo okay. wasn't even calling games on Nesson for the Red Sox Jesus. at this point. Wow. Yeah, that really, da- really dates it then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's good. All right, man. Well, stay safe out there. We'll talk soon. I'll see you.